Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my passion, my obsession in life to teach you how to be productive in our distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to sign up for the free seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you strategies and how you can become more productive. Just head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. That's Mr. All spelled out, Mr. Productivity.com. Today on the show, Leslie H. Tain. She is an award-winning financial attorney and author of Light, Life, and Debt. She has over 20 years of experience in consumer and business financial debt solutions. She is also the founder and managing director of the Tain Law Group, a New York-based law firm dedicated to debt management, debt resolution, and bankruptcy alternatives. I will tell you, this episode is like drinking from a fire hose. So the rewind and the pause button are going to be your friends. So get yourself a notebook, get yourself someplace comfortable because you will be taking a lot of notes. Let's get right to it. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me today. I am so thankful that you're here because we're going to talk about something very interesting because you started with a very teeny tiny business. Now you have a staff of 15. And before we get into that and how you manage that and how you be, uh, have you and your staff be productive, tell us in 60 seconds or less a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. I'm an attorney in the area of consumer and business debt-related finance work. So what that means is I'm a financial attorney and I help individuals and business owners resolve debt. Now, should I refer to you as counselor? You may. <laughs> you may, or Leslie is just fine. So now I just say, I, I, I like watching these courtroom dramas on TV. I know I'm a productivity guy and yes, I watch TV. Don't have some, some of your hate mail. So do... Do trials really take 42 minutes to get over with from start to finish? So those programs are not really realistic. No, based on really. Your court experiences that I've had. So um, it's definitely not exactly. I mean, I know they try to make it as realistic as possible, but truthfully, trial work is is interesting when you actually can do a trial. But most cases don't actually go to trial. Most cases are the object is to settle it along the way. And most judges want to try to force cases to settle since they'd rather not have to make a decision. And so... <laughs> Um, the trial work when it happens can be very interesting. Trial love, lo trial lawyers love that kind of work. Uh, but most of the work is not done in the courtroom. I remember I had to sit in the jury, oh, about five or six years ago and got down there, went through the jury pool, got caught up the courtroom. Of course, when they call your number, you're like, oh, you get up there and, and like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to break for lunch. And like, we've been doing nothing for four hours. We break for lunch. We go into the courtroom. They said, oh, we settled. Really? Right. You were doing nothing, but they were working on settling it. So, and there's probably two years before it even got to that matter where they had status conferences and they met, you know, a hundred different times to talk about it, exchange documents. And the goal really is to resolve the case. It's in everybody's best interest to get things resolved without going to trial. Well, the thing that really burned all of us on the jury is they handed us our whopping $6 for showing up that day. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so, well, you did your civic duty, and that's the important part. Yeah, I know. I know. And I, I learned a secret. I live here in Houston that when you serve on a jury, 
always take the bus because they pay for the bus pass. That way oh. you don't have to mess around with parking or traffic or any of that stuff. So I've always taken the bus when I uh, go on jury duty because it's a lot less stress on me because I don't go downtown Houston very often. And there's all these one-way streets and parking. You can't park here. And it's a nightmare. So I just take the bus. It takes a little longer, but it lowers my stress tremendously. No doubt public transportation is a lot easier, especially here in New York. I mean, I'm a native New Yorker and going into Manhattan is not always the easiest, even though, you know, I can only be 30 miles away. That might take two and a half hours to actually reach my destination. So public transportation is the way to go. (laughs) Nice. Well, let's talk about you growing your business from, I guess it was you and a partner. Now you have a staff of 15. So walk us through, you know, at what point did you say, okay, you know, this is getting too much for my partner and me. We need to add on a staff, and then you add on another one, another one. So walk us through that uh, that journey you went on. Sure. So let me back up to stage one. So when I left my in-house counsel position and I started my firm, I did so with a colleague, but that really only lasted about 30 days, honestly, with that individual. We decided that it was not going to work out early on and recognized that. So I, I took over and became a solo. So with that said, I was a solo for a short, very short period of time. And as business started to pick up and I realized I had a need for staff, I hired somebody right away. It's just not possible to do every single aspect of the business and be efficient and effective with just yourself. You um, And I had young children. I had three very young children at the time. So it made sense for me to start to hire somebody. You know, it's easy to start out hiring somebody part-time or a virtual assistant to start get you started. But uh, my business grew re- very quickly and, and rapidly. And as a result, I started to need staff. And at one point, I had double what I have now in terms of staff. But over time, I was able to be much more efficient and effective, You know, really roll out my processes and procedures and what my expectations were of staff members. And today, my business is super successful and runs really well. Obviously, over, you know, I still make tweaks every single day, every single year, and I grow and I learn, but things are going really amazingly. What was the first role that you hired, that first employee staff member? So her role was to sort of, so, sort of be my assistant. She didn't have a specific designation. She was like my assistant. She answered the phones. She spoke to um, potential clients, current, current clients. So she had a general role in the office, like office assistant, I'm going to say. One thing I, the, the, the thoughts I have about bringing on additional staff is I've run into a lot of people who hang out their shingle and the first thing they do is hire staff. And I'm like, do you have a need for it? And they're like, well, no, everyone else has a staff. I'm like, wait, stop. Okay. That is not the reason to hire staff. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Because other people do it, especially in business. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. You got to justify it. And I also believe that you need to know how to do this stuff. And I'd like you to talk about this. You know how to do this stuff before you bring in a staff member. Would you agree with that? So that is such a valid point that you're making. You have to know how to do every single aspect of your business. And frankly, if you don't, you won't be able to hire effective and efficient people. So there isn't an aspect of my business from going into my 
the, the kitchen, our break room and cleaning out the refrigerator to closing deals, talking to creditors, talking to clients, the accounting side of the business, the marketing side of the business, all of those details you have to know really well. So if you think you're going to open a business and you have money and you're going to open a business and you're just going to start hiring people, you may find some challenges with that if you don't understand what you're doing and your staff will not respect you for that. They will have their own challenges in communicating with you what it is that needs to be done and how it needs to be done. Again, unless you're buying a franchise or you, you're rolling out a business that has a very set process and procedure or a manual for a how-to manual, then you're on your own and you're building a business and there are a lot of leaps and bounds and bumps and hiccups along the way. And you have to be able to do everything. Because again, who are you going to hire? How are you going to hire them? You know, what's going to happen? Yes, you may, you know, move up the ladder in your own company where you're now running it and managing it. And you don't have time to be on the phone or to do the nitty gritty, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. And I, in fact, in my business, I still feel very strongly about being in the trenches with my staff. So even though I have an office, I step outside my office and I will often sit in other offices. I will sit in our general room. We have a, a space that's kind of an open floor plan. So I will sit out there with my staff. I will listen. I will spend time there. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to them about what's happening. And I want to stay connected to my business. I don't want to be in a place where I'm really not connected, not only to my staff, but I'm not connected to the, the details of my business. And we also have to bring up the topic of money. So if you're just hanging out your shingle and you have no income, you have no business hiring the staff anyways, you may have to work more hours. You may have to work six or seven days a week. But if you have no income, well, how are you going to pay the staff? Well, you need to have a budget. So the most important piece of the puzzle here is when you're starting a business like any other venture, you need to have a budget for how much it's going to cost. So you need to do some cost analysis ahead of time, but you also need to have a backup plan because expenses will pop up that you didn't expect. So if you're going to add a staff member to that and you're going to compute what the staff member costs, one, you want to make sure you have enough work that keeps that staff member busy because it's an investment. And you, you certainly don't want to be paying somebody who's going to kind of sit around and, and say, do you have anything for me to do? Do you have anything for me to do? And, you know, and who's bored? First of all, you probably won't retain that person. And secondly, as far as your expenses go, you're going to exceed your budget by paying out more than you need to on, on certain areas. So one of the key pieces of being a really good and successful business person is understanding your expenses and trying to keep them as low as possible and managing those expenses. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest part of my business that I've learned over the years, how to really sharpen my pencil, what is important and what isn't, and you know how to budget properly. I mean, I teach budgeting for a living and I can do it in my sleep. But, you know, as far as your own business, when you're first starting out, that budget is going to be dynamic. And what I mean by that is it's going to change on a regular basis as your business morphs into the new business that it's going to become. So if you're going to hire somebody and you think that because you're just starting out, you should have somebody, you might want to start out first on your own. If you quickly find that you need staff, then by all means, go out and get that person who's going to be super helpful to you, understands your vision and goals, who you can work with really well and fits within your budget. 
I want to step back. Something you said earlier, I want to make sure the listener doesn't miss it. Uh, you say you're tweaking things all the time. And when I talk to successful people, they are a student of life. They don't ever get to a point where they think they have all the answers. They are always learning. They're always tweaking. They're always learning. How can I be better today than it was uh, t- yesterday? So elaborate on that tweaking things all the time for us. Sure. And I love your point about learning new things. I really consider myself a sponge. So I learn new things every day from all different kinds of businesses and interactions I have, either as a consumer or an observer or in my business. So as a business owner, I think one of the reasons why I am so successful is because I'm very open-minded to seeing other business models and, and thoughts and ideas and seeing how they can incorporate into my business. And that allows me to have flexibility in my business to make changes along the way. So maybe a process and procedure I see could be adjusted. Maybe our budget in certain areas can be adjusted. Are we spending too much money on phones or uh, wherever our supplies come from? Can I reduce those expenses? Tweaking is part of being a successful business person because you want to find the formula to be successful. And that formula is not written anywhere. That formula is one that's going to be created by you and your business. And no two are necessarily the same. Yes, there are formulas out there to give you a a roundabout idea of how to become successful, you know, when it comes to time management and budgeting and spending and hiring, there are tools out there that can help you be successful. But the key is you as the business owner being able to tweak things and be flexible with changes in your business, open-minded, and consider yourself not just an expert, but consider yourself an expert who's always learning. So I am an expert in the area of debt resolution. That is my business. So, and, you know, student loans and finances and things like that. But I am excellent at running my business, but I'm not going to say I'm necessarily an expert. I'm going to say that I'm an expert who's always learning. So there's so many more levels that I know I can get to as a business owner in just years of experience, dealing with my staff, managing a business. And I, I learn every single day and I'm willing to make changes in my business so that my business could be the best it can be. I have the feeling that you don't just learn from inside the legal profession. You probably keep your opportunity antennas up for any industry specification that say, okay, I can learn from this person. It may be a restaurant. It may be the crossing guard at school. It may be someone at the supermarket. You probably are the type of person that always has their opportunity antennas up. Am Am I correct? You are 100% correct. Wherever I am, wherever I go, however I interact with, uh, I learn from a business business owner. So for example, in my own personal world, I was talking to a business owner about a product from my home. And I was talking to the salesperson and the salesperson uh, elevated me to the next level for scheduling purposes. Well, this person was supposedly an owner and he get, he got on the phone with me and he got on the phone so like, the way he answered the phone and spoke to me. So I heard you want to speak to me. That's how he's, and I said to myself, gee, if I, uh, you know, as a business owner, is that the message that I want to give to a client or a customer? You know, how did I feel about that? And and what does my staff say when the phone rings to make somebody not feel the way he made me feel when he picked up the phone? So that's just one example. So I may go into a coffee shop and I just love the way things are run. And obviously my business is not a coffee shop. I'm not in hospitality. I'm not in restaurant, but 
I sometimes stand back and observe and watch how they interact with their customers, how the customers respond to that. Can I take any of that back to my business and elevate my customer service experience for my clients? Have you ever had someone call your your law firm and to see how they're treated? Like, I guess it's called a mystery uh, shopper. So we have not had that blindly happen because my it's not that it's a it's a unknown client. Every single client is known. So the first thing that's going to happen is a question of your name and who you are. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to do that. But you know, I sit and I observe and I listen and I and I often know if there's an issue because that client will elevate or the request gets elevated. So. It's sort of, I used to say when my kids were really little, I always, even though they couldn't speak, I knew that if something something was wrong, because I could observe it mm. by behaviors and mannerisms. So when I see something elevated to, let's say there's a request in accounting or there's an, an additional request, I know that there's probably some sort of misunderstanding or miscommunication at the lower level. And that's why it got elevated to the next level. So I'll go back and I will take a look and see, okay, so I see this request came through. Why did this request come through? And why was it not resolved on the on the phone call at the time? Was it something we did? Was it something that the client expected? Was it, and truthfully over time, by doing that, I've really been able to minimize any type of um, what I would call fires or emergencies or clients being unhappy. So I'm going to tell you one of my secrets. One of my secrets is that I am a big believer in psychology. So I really like to understand what's in the mind of other people. What are they thinking? How are they feeling? So I have been able to observe over the years uh, my client's thought process their feelings, their behaviors, their mannerisms, and I can now respond accordingly without them having to communicate to us to the point where it's a miscommunication. The moment I hear certain key words, I know what the client is looking for just from experience. So again, I think when you're looking at your business and you're you're new at it, you're not going to really know those things. And that's why it's so important going back to being on every level of your business and being a part of it and learning from it. I can tell from client from wording and listening to my staff on the phone, which I do really often, um, what is happening and what that client needs or wants. And my staff now are, are trained well enough because they've heard me. They uh, have worked with me for many years and we do have processes and procedures in place to respond to, let's say, commonly asked questions or concerns. But those issues were time sucks in my business and they were uh, inefficiencies, but it does take time to really understand who your clients are so that you can basically cover all their concerns ahead of time so that it doesn't become more work later on. You have given us so much to think about. We've only been on the show for about 17 minutes. Is there anything else that people who are either thinking about starting their business or are in the startup phase that they need to be aware of um, as they grow their business? So I think that when you're in the startup phase, and I belong to a couple of groups online, um, on social media, and I see people ask these questions often, um, and they tend to overthink a little bit about, oh no, what if this happens and what if that happens? And 
my advice would be that if you have a business idea, you need to go for it. You need to put all of your efforts into it, all of your energy into it. It can't be that you're going to start a business with hesitation or concern or with the idea that it could fail because you need to be committed to the process that your business is going to be successful. And what I would tell people is that there are setbacks in business. There's good days, there's great days, there's bad days, and there's really bad days. <laughs> and that you take that home with you. Owning a business is a 24-7. It's like a, having a child and you are responsible for that business in every way, shape, or form. You cannot disconnect from it. So you going into it, my advice is to just be aware that as a business owner, you're going to have all these ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride. And the, the idea is to have more ups than downs. But there's going to be times when you feel like there's more downs than ups, but don't give up. Understand that that is part of the business. It is part of being a business owner. If you wanted to be an employee, you would have stayed as an employee. But if you want to be a business owner, you want to be a chief, you have to understand that you know, you're going to take the brunt of everything that happens. And, you know, some days that'll wake you up in the middle of the night and other days you're going to leave feeling like you're on a high and that's all normal. So it's, it's sort of like, I'm trying to suggest that everything will be okay. It's just, it's a process. And the other thing I want to make clear as far as growing your business goes is that it's like farming. So, and I try to explain this to people all the time and they tell me, ah, you know, networking doesn't work. Advertising doesn't work. Well, it does. It's just, again, like a farming metaphor. You, you might go out and have a farm and a field and you're going to create this, an opportunity for things to grow. So you have a field and you go out there with your machine and you fix the soil and you prepare it and you start planting and some plants will grow faster than others. Some will grow sturdier and hardier than others. Some won't grow at all. Some need more watering. Some need more sunlight. Some need more you know, communication to it so that there's more oxygen and CO2. But again, you know, those, that's a great metaphor for understanding what it is that you're doing as a business owner. You are planting seeds. And as they grow, you're going to grow. And as your field grows, you have to care for it and you have to cultivate it. And so that's your business. It's just like farming. And I did not come from a farming background in any way, shape, or form. I just understand that that is the process. And by using that in my mind, I can visualize the things that I do that help my business grow. And I have then an understanding of why I might be frustrated that other things haven't come to fruition the way I thought or the way I expected or in the time frame that I expected either. And the same thing applies with social media. People look at the the thought leaders, Brendan Burchard, you know, Mark Cuban, Gary Vaynerchuk, whatever, and they have millions of followers. Well, they started with one. And they didn't build those followers like in a week or in a day. And people don't want to stick stick into it for anything for the long term. They want microwave results. And if you truly want to grow your business, like you have shared with us on the, on the show today, it takes time. You're going to have good days and bad days and horrible days and awesome days. And that's just the flow of business growth. 
it does take time. I mean, most of the people that you speak of are influencers, but they're, they're, they're already aged in their business. They're not aged out, of course, Mm -hmm. but they, they have aged with their business and they've grown it in their experience and people follow them and listen to them because they have experience under their belt. They've been through the trenches. They've been through the difficult times. They've been become very, very successful. But remember that not every business owner was successful at the out, outstart of their business. They may have started other businesses that weren't successful. They may have started businesses that were, and then went into others that were not, not most business owners will be able to talk to you about failures. And those failures are experiences that made them stronger and smarter to get them to a place of success. So in my business, I never talk about failures. There's no such thing as a failure in my, in my world whatsoever. They are experiences. And not every experience turned out the way I expected or wanted it to, but every experience helped me to grow as a business owner, as an individual, as an attorney, as a, as a businesswoman. And each one of them made me stronger, smarter. And the reason why it made me stronger and smarter is because I learned from it. I paid attention to it. I didn't put it on the side and say, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's not remember what that experience was. No, you know what? I do want to remember what those experiences were because it will remind me what I should be doing next time better. I remember I took a course from Brendan Burchard and his story is he started from nothing from Butte, Montana, and now he's one of the biggest trainers in the world. And he teaches you exactly how he grew his business. And I remember one line in one of his trainings, he said, does this sound like a lot of work? It is because if you really want to become an influencer, it takes a lot of work. It doesn't happen because you hang your shingle out. And I think a lot of people get fired up. They take these courses, they go to the conferences, they go get coaching from these high uh, performing thought leaders and they get all fired up, but then like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. And then they stop. They, they do it for a week or they go on social media, try to build their Instagram for a week and then they stop. Well, if you look at all the thought leaders who are big out there, they do it every day, year in and year out, and they, they grow it steadily over time. But I think people have got to have more patience as they grow their business. They're also not doing all aspects of their business. Uh, once you're at a place where you're that successful, you are not running every aspect of your business in the sense that you're you're the one sitting there at the computer um, focusing on the social media part or focusing in on other other pieces of the puzzle. You have a staff and a huge team of so that's supporting you. So remember, it's very very. It will be challenging if you compare yourself as an individual just starting out to very successful business people. Yes, you can take their experiences and use those experiences to help you along the way. But if you make the comparison that you are like, let's say I wanted to compare myself to Oprah Winfrey and you know, she's, well, she's not an attorney, but she is uh, a huge influencer in her field. And she worked many, 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 many hard years to become an influencer for people to trust her and for her to build her brand and for her to build her businesses. And while I take a lot from the things that she does and says and has done over the years, I would be remiss at comparing myself to her in the sense that um, or striving to be like her or striving to be her. I am not her. She's not me. And, and again, her success is wonderful and one to be applauded. But I take things from her just like I take from other people to create the persona of me. So my point is that it's really great to go out there and listen to influencers. But 
It's only one piece of the puzzle. You need to be doing the work and you can listen to things all day long. But the reality is in the beginning of my business, when I first started, I didn't spend time outside my office. I wasn't out there. I was inside my office working on the processes and procedures, talking to potential clients, closing deals, negotiating with the creditors, figuring out which paperwork made sense for which client, how to get these people. And I spent so much time on the infrastructure of my business. Then I picked my head up and I said, okay, time to go outside. So time to go outside and meet other people to send me more business and to build my business. And at that point, I had a little more of structure inside my business where I had staff members who were in there doing the work so I could go out and I could start building relationships. And I could become an influencer in my community, which I am as far as my business goes. So from that perspective, I'm going to tell you that it's great to listen, read, and watch. And I think it's super important. But you have to be focusing on what it is that you're doing and building your business. And at some point, you have to put your head down and you have to just just push ahead and do the work. And I agree with everything you just said. And I think people need to understand if you follow a thought leader, go back and look at the beginning when they did everything, when they did not have a life. See, we see the finished product. Well, the product that's a lot better than it is now. If you go back to the beginning of Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey and you see all the rejection they had, people don't pay attention to that. They don't pay attention when they did everything. They see now where they have a huge staff or you have a staff of 15. They see you now. But it wasn't like that all the time. And I think people need to realize that when you see these very successful thought leaders, that's not how they started their business. Go back to the beginning, see how they started, because I think that's what you can learn the lesson from where they started and where they are now. Okay, how did they get from there? It didn't happen overnight, but they they struggled and there was a lot of rejections. Tim Ferriss's best-selling book, The 4-Hour Workweek, was rejected 37 times. People don't know that. They just know he has a best-selling book. Right. So rejection is part of the process and you really have to have thick skin. So as an attorney, we are taught to have thick skin. You know, we, we are taught from law school, just from the processes and procedures of being in law school. I mean, they, they, um, there is something called the Socratic method, which is the, an, an old way of teaching law school where you were called out and made to stand up and, um, and, and you had to speak in front of your class and you had to make presentations and you had to know the work. And if you didn't know the work, then the guy next to you got called out for you not knowing the work. So, you know, we are built a little bit differently because of our background and training. But if you don't have that background and training, that's okay. But you, if you're going to put yourself out there as a business person and you want to grow as an influencer and you want to be on social media as an influencer or a thought provoking individual, you better find that thick coat of skin because there are so many naysayers and haters and people who are not going to wish you well out there and competitors and you're going to find, you're going to bump into people who tell you, no, you're not the right person. I don't want to work with you. You didn't give me good advice. Your business stinks. Um, I never want to use you again. And, you know, all of that is very hurtful for a business owner. You know, for me, especially, you know, despite of my, my, my thick coat here, I am sensitive to my clients' needs and desires and wants. And I want everybody to have a good experience when they come through the doors here. I want them to walk away and say, you know what? I went into the, this debt resolution process with a lot of predetermined thoughts and I thought it was going to be negative, but Leslie was awesome and she fixed the problem and I was able to move on and I feel so much better. And when I hear that, it's so inspiring to me and I do hear it every single day because I do run an excellent business. 
But you as a business person, you know, I have been down the road where people have said all kinds of things. And today with social media and the ability to write reviews, people can write anything they want. And it's considered a freedom of speech. And as long as they write it as their experience, it doesn't get taken down. And it hurts as a business owner. And I know that your hands are tied as are mine. And there's a limited amount of recourse that you have. But you, you know, if you can't get past that and you can't get past the haters and the naysayers and those that are going to be critical of you, you're going to have a challenging time running and, and moving your business to the next level because the truth is that it's all about the challenge. And if growing a business wasn't challenging, everybody would do it, but it is super challenging and the strong survive and those with the right mindset survive. So find a way to get your head clear I'm also a big believer. Another one of my secrets is I, I totally believe in what you put out is what you get back. I'm a huge believer in um, energy and your thought process and, and positive thought. So I take a glasses half full experience and approach to everything that I do. And when something negative comes my way, I say, okay, so this is coming my way because I'm supposed to learn something. What is it that I need to learn from this? Even though it's not doesn't make me feel good and I don't want this to be happening to me. There's a reason why it's here and what is it going to do to help me get better and stronger. So I flip it to a positive approach. In your business, you know, if you sit there saying, oh, this is terrible. I don't get any sales. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll close the doors and I don't know what I'm doing. Then you're not going to survive. The truth is you're probably not going to know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing for a lot of years. And even though I knew what I was doing from the legal end, the running the business, it's not like somebody handed me a manual and said, here, Leslie, read this manual and you'll be a successful businesswoman. It took a lot to, to build it to what it is. And it's my vision and my dream and my passion. So that your vision, dream and passion have to be a part of it. And don't let those that are out there who are trying to squash that. That's why those people are successful because they didn't take the 36 no's or the 37 no's and say, okay, so I must be terrible at writing a book because all these people told me no. They pushed forward. And Oprah says the same thing. If, if my recollection is correct, um, she was turned down for um, a radio position. And um, there's a lot of people that have those kind of experiences where they're told you're not any good. You're, you're not going to make it. FedEx was one of those examples too, from uh, a project that that individual started in Harvard law school that they, the professor said he would fail at. So if just because somebody has an opinion and thinks you're going to fail, doesn't mean that you will. That's somebody else's opinion. That's their energy and their belief. If you don't own it and you believe in yourself and your product and your business, go for it. Move forward, move past those people and just say they're out there. Actually, lately, um, I listened to this app uh, called Calm. And on it was LeBron James was actually um, speaking on it about how he focuses and how he... Um, how he gets past the, all the noise that's out there. And there is so much noise out there. And if you can see it and you can visualize it and you can get past the noise, then you're, you will be successful. Well, listening to you talk, uh, Leslie, is like drinking from a fire hose. You gave us so much to think about. And I just want to thank you for all the wisdom you dropped with us today. Where can we find out more about you online? Sure. So you can easily find me online. I'm Leslie Tain, and we have the Tain Law Group here in New York, but I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. We're also on um, 
uh, Instagram. So I'll give you a couple of places. So Instagram at Tain Law Group. And of course, you can always reach us at 866-890-7337. Twitter at Leslie H. Tain, E-S-Q, and Tain is spelled T-A-Y-N-E. Also LinkedIn, Facebook, and otherwise. So please feel free to reach out, follow us. Uh, there's lots of great information that's out there. And of course, if there's ever a debt issue, question, or problem, feel free to give me a call. That will be a free phone consultation. All right. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for being on the show today. You you really over-delivered, and I really appreciate that. I know my audience did as well. I just want them to take what you said. They're going to have to listen a couple times, but go implement something they said. But the thing I got from you, and I'm sure my listeners did as well, is don't give up. If you got a dream, just shut down the naysayers and just keep your nose and your eye ears focused ahead, and you will succeed. So thank you so much for being on the show today. You are a rock star. Hey, thanks for having me so much. I really appreciate it. And one last suggestion, if it's a lot of information, take notes. And this way you can read it over again and highlight the the pieces that are super important to you. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Remember, Mr. is all spelled out. When you go to mrproductivity.com, you can sign up for my free seven-day productivity challenge in which I will give you solid strategies that take you just two minutes to do every single day for a week. You can also find out about my productivity coaching Check out my course, find out where I'm on social media and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. I love you so much. I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen. Please, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the podcast. The more people that subscribe, the more people I can help. And then tell two or three friends about this episode so uh, they can take uh, get value from it as well. Thank you again for listening. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.